But you know what? I got a bone to pick. Yeah, I got a bone to pick with somebody else who everybody is calling the greatest of all time. Yeah, somebody who won a little game yesterday by the hair of his chinny-chin-chin. Yeah, someone who everybody's calling the GOAT. Well, you know what happens when you steal Chris Jericho's nickname? You know what happens when you call yourself the greatest of all time and you're not me? You know what happens? Tom Brady, you just made the list. Finally, Tim Jowsma has come back to the Friends Talking Nerdy Podcast. How are you all doing today? Um, we got Sterling here with us. Say what hi, up? Sterling. What yeah. up? And we have Noel calling in from New York City. How are you doing? What's up? What's going on, everybody? <laughs> going for a little uh, sexual chocolate Mark Henry there? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, that, not not the Godfather? <laughs> oh, well, 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 I could do the Godfather, or was it the... the uh, oh. What's the, the, the pimp, you know, time for the hoe train? Godfather, yeah. Godfather, yeah. Godfather, yeah, Godfather yeah. right? <laughs> it's time once again. The hoe train. <laughs> oh, man. Did you see when he, like, turned heel and became the good father? Oh, yeah. Um, that yeah, was we, the worst. Yeah, we talked about it. Uh, it I, yeah. I, I that was kinda, it, was, it was a fun time because at that time... They were jumping backwards and forwards. I guess, you know, you know regardless of what anybody tells you, you know, Vince McMahon r- rant was running that show. So whatever he wanted, they're like, okay, Vince wants it, let's, let's do it. Yep. So. Well, as you all can guess today, we're going to be talking about wrestling once again. Um, it's been a while. I believe episode 9 and 10, uh, Sterling and I talked about wrestling a bit, but uh, wanted to get a chance to have Noel actually meet Sterling. We've all been involved in this wacky podcast, and they have not officially met yet. So um, with that said, I think the first thing we're going to cover, um, since Sterling and I recently attended a WWE Live event, which was Sterling's first ever WWE Live event, Woo. Wow! Yeah, um, yeah. At, at his age, I felt like a proud father. <laughs> well, I, 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 I do have to say this: I have been to like Lucha Underground and um, uh, mass wrestling events when I lived in like the San Jose area. Mm-hmm. So, like, I've been to wrestling shows, not not no. world wrestling yeah. entertainment. Not the top of the heap. So, uh, <laughs> the first thing we are going to discuss here is everybody's. First time experience seeing a wrestling event. Since Sterling here is the newest one member of that club, let's go with you first. Hooray! Um, it was really, really fun. Um, me and Tim got tickets together. We got pretty decently close seats, which was enjoyable. We had like a very good view of the the, the whole arena. The thing that drove me crazy though is how much people were yelling "woo." 
Like I, I, it, I, we were we were in an empty like arena. I get it. Like your your voice carries, and then like once it started filling up, like one person would yell it, and then sixty other people would just start yelling. You know the 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 fucking woo. They're honoring I, the nature boy though. I know. You, I know. You, it's it's it would be sacrilege to not go to a WWE event and at least give one woo. Yeah, you, know? you got gotcha. it. Yeah. yeah. So we were talking about the rowdy. What is it? it was, it's not rowdy. Uh, her nickname, uh, her WWE nickname, will be Rowdy Ronda Rousey. Yes, yes. They uh, had her like gear at the merch store. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, can you? Oh, yeah, can yeah, you hear yeah, me now? Got, yeah. We can hear you now. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Nice. That was that was on my end. Yeah, so I'm sorry about this. Like, what did we say before? Go ahead. So uh, we went to the show. Everybody's yelling woo. Uh, <laughs> we had a good time. Uh, we got to see some classic wrestling, which was cool. They had it on the, the Jumbotron. They had, uh, <clears throat> who was it again? It was... Uh, oh, they had uh, some various WrestleMania matches that you could vote for via a Twitter hashtag. Yeah. And the one that ended up winning was the Macho Man Randy Savage versus the Ultimate Warrior yeah. at WrestleMania yeah. 7. Oh, man, that was such a great uh, just highlight of uh, that fight. They, but mm-hmm. but they didn't show the ending. I mean, it was just like a, a little two-minute best-of clip of that entire match, but that entire match is an absolute classic. Yeah. And, and the turn at the end where <clears throat> Sherry is kicking um, the Macho Man on the ground, and then Elizabeth runs out, out of the crowd and attacks Sherry, <laughs> and then the Macho Man and her get back together, the crowd's crying. I watch it today. I'm tearing up a bit, and I'm like, I swear it's just that allergies. <laughs> uh, well, well, look, I, I admit myself, I cried when when wrestling. Since, we, since we're going to history of it, before the uh, before WWE, when it was WWF, they used to have Saturday Night's main events. It was every Saturday, like literally, they would take you know SNL and it'd be the hottest thing. And the last time I cried was when Hulk Hogan got like destroyed by. Uh, King Kong Bundy and, you know, oh. and Don Morocco was holding his hands back and 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 I'm crying and my dad's like, what's wrong? Oh, they beat up Hulk Hogan. My dad goes, you know it's fake, right? Ah! <laughs> it's still real to me. Oh man! Oh, let's. They're we, coming for you, Tim. In the six wow. month, the six month anniversary. I in New York, not, not, not in Portland. I figured. Yeah, in New York. I, <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, we talked about that in the six month podcast. You know, New York, so loud, all those sirens. But uh, I, I think the first time I cried due to a wrestling event, and I think we talked about it last time, mm-hmm. was the main event. It just celebrated its thirtieth anniversary. Um, the rematch between Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant. Ooh. And that was the that was the debut of Earl Hepner. Um, uh, Earl Hebner was a referee used to work for Jim Crockett Promotions his brother Dave was a referee and worked for the WWE and uh, apparently they did a on, on the Something to Wrestle uh, with Bruce Pritchard podcast they went a little more in depth on this and I guess Dave Hebner wanted to get out of the refereeing business and wanted to be a road agent so he went to Vince and said hey my brother uh, you know works for Jim Crockett Promotions and wants a job he's also my twin and Vince just saw money. <laughs> <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Hmm, how could I use this? And what happens? They both come in and, and you know, like I said, when you're a kid, if, when you don't know the secret, it's nice. Because you just kind of sit back in it and observe it. But once you figure out and you see that, you're like, oh, wow. It's just, it's, it's just all that. And it even helps when you got Jesse Ventura and Gorilla Monsoon 
doing play by play, just getting you sucked into that. That that made it even better. Well, for that, for the Saturday Night's main event, uh, Vince, it was Vince McMahon and uh, Jesse Ventura. That's right. Yes, you're right. My mistake. Yeah, you're right. That's right. Yeah, but but yeah, that was the first time I cried. I think the last time I cried was this past WrestleMania. At the end of the Undertaker, match. Oh, once he man. folded up his uh, his outfit, laid it in the middle of the ring, That's and was hell. walking off, I'm like, "Oh my God, there goes my childhood!" Yeah. You know, I uh, yeah. I got to see one of the first appearances of the Undertaker, and that was bonkers. And then they had Kane, you know, his brother, and I remember those two going at it all the time. That was some of the best wrestling ever. Where they like choke slammed each other like one after another, <laughs> and I just oh man, and and like I'm I'm almost seven feet tall, you know, I'm like two hundred and seventy five pounds, so like <laughs> a regular giant gets up, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just like you're sitting there and you're like, me too, man, me too, <laughs> you know, like I want to grab somebody and just choke slam them to the ground. Come here, <laughs> yeah. Well, I, no, and that's the thing is like I I would see guys like Andre the Giant and like Undertaker and Kane, and you just identify with that so hard. Uh, Big Show, Big Show was one of the good, like one of the cooler guys. Um, he had the lamest intro, by the way. Can I just say that? It's just like, <laughs> well, it's the big show. And then it's done. Da, 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 yeah. Da, 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 da. Or, or, I Might like, as well just be playing the tuba the whole time. Well, The Rock <laughs> used to make fun of it. Well, it's the big slow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Did you guys say in wrestling that the, the one upsmanship has, all, that's the key thing that really makes it great is when they really start going at each other. Like for that, that, that's kind of cool. Yeah, I, I always love that. You gotta think of pro wrestling like you do magic. Somebody that goes to see Penn and, uh, Penn and Teller or David Copperfield knows that they're not channeling the dark arts, but they do put a lot of effort into what making what they are doing on stage mm-hmm. appear as if it is really happening. And I think that is the beauty of what pro wrestling can be when you get lost. In, 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 in what you're seeing on stage. And I mean, if you think about it logically, you can probably talk, you know, talk yourself out of liking a lot of wrestling angles, if not all of them. But the beauty is just being lost, having that emotion, getting so invested emotionally in somebody that if they lost, you're going to cry. Oh my, uh, yeah, what yeah. entertainment really does that these days? <laughs> yeah. Um, what was it? We had a really great, uh, house show and they had a three on three tag match. And we got to see Goldust kind of make a surprise <laughs> debut. Or not debut, but a, a comeback, I would say. But I, I don't know. Well, he's been with the company for yeah, a bit for now. A he's while. not utilized as a top talent, but he's he's going to be a, a, what they call a road agent, um, a producer, mm-hmm. uh, when he does retire. But right now, he's he's there to help talent get better. And that was, like, the best part about it. It was... Uh, what what's the name of that guy that loses all the time? <laughs> Kurt Hawkins. Kurt Hawkins. So they had Kurt Hawkins <laughs> in, in, uh, on the uh, other uh, tag team, and I mean, you you knew what was going to happen going into it, but again, it was still just a great fight. You see, like what the the three on three uh, rope into the like the boot to the face, all three of them. It was just great. Yeah, and it's okay. it's fun that and and that's the best part about it, and. Um, Goldust had this very, very amazing ability to get the crowd into it very quickly. 
the whole night you would see these guys who were like you know not not uh not a listers per se and they'd be like doing some really cool stuff but they would just had a really hard time getting the crowd into it and gold dust all he had to do was smack his hands on the ground and the entire crowd just lit up well when your father is the second most recognizable athlete in the world baby you're going to learn some things, you know? <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, Dusty, Dusty Rhodes, man. American Dream. Yeah. yeah. Now, what about you, Noel? What was uh, your first uh, professional wrestling experience? My first professional wrestling experience was in, was in Madison Square Garden. Oh! Uh, it, was, it, was, it, it wasn't a, like a WrestleMania, but in the, early, in the 80s and 90s, when, when the WWF would come to New York, MSG Network once a month would have the actual wrestling match. So this would be a live feed to MSG. You know, Gino, you know, you had, uh, you know, I think, not Gino, but, um, oh, God, the, the, how, I think with how it's Finkel, the, the, the announcer guy? The ring announcer, yeah. Yeah, right, so he would come and announce, and then usually he'll announce what's happening next month, but it was great. You had, this is, um, my, when I went, I was, uh, it was me, a classhood, um, uh, a classmate of mine and his dad. They they took me as as, as kind of like, hey, you know, come with us with us. It was cool, and it was incredible. It was really really fun, really nice. What was really awesome about it was that um, the main match was Barry Windham and the great Mike Rotunda. Yes. Versus these two. I oh, who was it at the time? Can't oh man, I can't remember for the life of me who were the other two wrestlers. But it was this. It was so cool because you like made. You know, we're like maybe second, third row. So no, sorry, second, third tier. We went all the way up close. We were second, third tier in seeing that. It was crazy. But about last year, I lived in a Rocky Center where my coworkers took me to catch, and I caught Raw, and we were actually closer. That was that was kind of great. But that first time Madison Square Garden was kind of awesome seeing that wrestling because you know you had you had no idea. You know, you walk into Madison Square Garden or any arena. You back in the days, WWF had their own magazine out. They used to have the ice cream sandwich bars out yes. as well, which yes. was huge. Yes, and I'm, I'm even and the cartoon show was was out it was out as well. And I think you know that the whole you know what Vince was doing was make was really making a very kid more kid family friendly wrestling. But as cable got better, we started seeing things like uh, and you know like W you know and you know NWA or AWA, and you're like, well, what's this or or Midwest. Dusty Rhodes, you know, all these other dudes, and you go, whoa, this is kind of, you know, this kind of, the, they call it the blue-collar wrestling. Yeah. It was more realistic, because it was just, like, going at it, and that, and, you know, when you're that young, you got into that. I think also, there was a wrestling magazine out as well, so it had, it had all that stuff, you know, they, they'll, have, they'll have the lineups inside, the, you know, who's the US, you know, USA champion, you know, you know, heavyweight champion, tag team champions like that, you know, and when you're a kid, it's kind of fun, because other kids... Well, you know, you talk about wrestling. You, you talked about it, and at that time, later, like probably a couple of years later, in late night, like early eighties, let's say late eighties, nineties, there was WWF all over the place. They had shows on USA. They had shows on TNT. Uh, like, okay, TNT. Yeah, I even I was such a <laughs> fan. I even saw the Spanish version of, of it sometimes. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of cool to see Tito Santana come up and speak total Spanish. Or usually that wrestlers come up, they'll speak, and the guy would translate. But it was that was kind of oh man, that was a wow fifth, fifth, sixth grade, yeah. From like yeah till about seventh or eighth grade, I was a wrestling fan. Then I just kind of stopped. I stopped watching. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it, if you saw Barry Windham and Mike Rotunda as a tag team, that had to have been late 84, early 85. Yeah. Yeah, they uh, were the WWF tag team champi- champions, and their original theme song was Real American. Hulk Hogan stole it. <laughs> wow, did not know that. Yeah. Um, did not know that. Yeah, they... T- uh, they uh, did a sound edit on the. If you watch WrestleMania now, they have uh, when Hogan comes out. Um, they have what we now know as his theme song. But initially, he came out to "Eye of the Tiger," and Barry Windham and Mike Rotunda came out to "Real American." Um, Hulk Hogan's. Uh, they initially, if, if you remember Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling, which you brought it up, the yeah. opening theme song to that was originally meant to be Hulk Hogan's theme song. Oh, with the guy chanting Hulk, Hulk, right? Yeah, with the piano playing, just didn't have anything to do with it. But, I mean, Real American, Hulk Hogan, you know, that's like bread and butter. That, 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 those two fit together. Um, for me, I've, my first, uh, live event, I, I talked about it briefly before, September 18th, 1989, at the old stadium arena in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Um, got there early and, um, snuck onto the, uh, onto the floor seats, and, uh, me and some other kids were kind of in the back, and we were looking, and we saw, like, one of the curtains was open, and Coco Beware was there talking to somebody, and he, t- he looked at us, shook his head, and then closed the curtain. Um, that was fun. Uh, seeing the Honky Tonk Man there was great. Um, it, great in retrospect, but when he came out initially, it was just like, I hate you. Not, not realizing that, you know, that's the reaction he wants, you know? Um, seeing the Ultimate Warrior versus Andre the Giant, uh, memory I will never, ever forget. Um, the match that closed the show, however, the fabulous Rougeau brothers who had just turned heel faced off against this relatively new tag team in the WWF called the Rockers. Huh. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it, for the Rougeau brothers, it was it was uh, oh, yeah. Jacques and Raymond. Jacques and Raymond. Okay, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And, oh wow, man, that's ooh. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it, it's it, if you think about it too. I mean, it's interesting how the, you know house shows in that day did kind of give an idea of what wrestling ended up becoming because the what was listed as the main event in my case, Ultimate Warrior versus Andre the Giant, that was the third match on the show. Whereas the last match, the, they wanted to have the audience go home happy, so they had the most exciting match, quote-unquote, at the end, and that was the tag team match with the smaller guys. And then, you know, later in the 90s, they did kind of transition to allowing the smaller guys in more of a role, yeah. which, which was more, more important. I'm curious, what, how did Andre look? Was he really in bad shape at the time? He had a few surgeries by then. Yeah, he, I mean, the match was only 30 seconds long. He wasn't going to be doing like a Hurricane Rana or anything like that. But um, it, it, the beauty, though, of what the WWE does, they put it in the audience head that this man was a monster. So even though that we know now what medical conditions he was going through, um, I think I told you before, when, yeah. when Andre came out, I hated him, but I wasn't going to say a word because I didn't want him to look at me and come through the audience. You know? yeah, those, those big old like hands that can literally like the size of your chest, really. Oh, yeah. yeah, with the new HBO documentary coming out, they have a clip from uh, the AWA where um, Andre is literally palms Gene Okerlund's face. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. But after the first event, what what are some memorable moments that, that you can think of? What uh, we'll go around the horn here. Just, the the just, tag battle, for sure, with the bar, that was great. 
Who that was so much fun. Uh, what was it? It was Seth Rollins and uh, what was the other guy? Seth name? Rollins and Finn Balor versus yeah. the Bar. That Sheamus and Cesaro. That was at the house show we went to. Yeah, that was oh, a okay, lot of cool. fun. Yeah. Oh, just real quick, I, I'm gonna I gotta plug something. One of my good friends, Brandon Easton, wrote a comic which Tim Off sent to you. Actually, copies called Andre the Giant Closer to Heaven. And basically, he wrote it, and he and it's uh, I can give you uh, it's a really cool little thing he wrote up. And he, he actually spoke to Andre's daughter, so who oh, wow. it. So for those fans out there, just plug for my man Brandon Easton. The comic book is called it's a graphic novel. It's called Andre the Giant, Closer to Heaven. It kind of talks about his life wrestling. It's a really really good comic book. So I had a, we talked about Andre. I shut my boy out for that one. Already read it, um, and I uh, reviewed it for a website I used to write for called Bounding into Comics. Um, oh, okay. gave, gave it a rave review. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful comic. Uh, I mean, the only criticism I had was they hinted that Vince McMahon Jr., um, Vince McMahon as we know, um, was not the most ethical person, but they didn't give a reason why. But that's me nitpicking. I mean, the book was great, and I believe uh, they optioned that to make it into a movie, if I'm not mistaken, right? I believe so. Oh, wow. Yeah. If if, if you know him, can you get him on the show? (laughs) Actually, he's at, he's on the West Coast. I have to. I'll send him an email. He actually he's he's writing um he's writing um um Vampire Hunters Z Z I think it's he's actually he, he's actually writing the um the TV show I nice. believe I think that's right. So he's he's pretty busy, but I'll definitely yeah. let him know. We could also plug the show. Yeah. Be fun. Um, if we're talking about wrestling comic books, uh, there's a really funny. Uh, but also really good comic book called Super Pro KO, if you're ever familiar with it. Um, I feel like it comes from the point of view from, like, The Rock. Like, it's this kid who kind of started up, and then he's joining this, like, upper echelon of, like, wrestlers, but he's actually pretty good, and there's drama and all this stuff. Like, one of the first episodes, someone breaks their neck, so it's like... Kind of, yeah. No, well, it it has a lot of history and makes a lot of references right to the WWF WWE era. But because it's okay. an in, in, like an indie producer, it's through Oni Press. Right. They they can't exactly use names or, uh, you know, yeah. references to other stuff. But it's it's a really great series. I think they're on the third book right now. Um, <laughs> now let's. Uh, Talk about some of our favorite moments in wrestling history. We'll oh. uh, kind of go around the horn like we usually do here. Bring up one reference, talk about it, go on to the next one here. Okay. Um, let's start with you, Noel. What is one of your favorite moments in wrestling history? Uh, man. You know, I got to throw out my trump card. It's got to be Roddy Roddy Piper smacking Jimmy Snooker upside the head with that coconut. <laughs> I saw that. I laughed so hard. I wasn't... I, when I was growing up, Roddy and Macho Man are probably my two favorite wrestlers because I, I mean, who could not love Piper? Piper just had no shame. And when he, back in the days when, when he was hanging with uh, Cowboy Bob Orton, <laughs> you know, with, 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 the, with the cast, and I think with the cast on the right hand, right arm all the time. Mm-hmm. But when I saw that, I never laughed so loud. But the funny thing is, when you saw Snooker the next day, he had the, I mean, he, you kind of see where, I guess, Gold Gibson's from. Jimmy Snooker had like stammers. He was just shooken up. It was crazy. And then after a while, he like disappeared. Because remember, for a while, Snooker was around for a bit, and then he was gone. And then he came back. I, no I th- explanation. I, I think that had something to do with uh, 
the legal proceedings that essentially hounded him for the rest of his life. Um, yeah. Uh, for, yeah, yeah, his, his girlfriend, right? Yeah, for the folks that don't know, um, in 1982, I believe it was, um, Snuka's girlfriend at the time, even though he was married, uh, Nancy D'Argentino, I believe her name was, was found dead. And rumor has it that Jimmy Snuka, thanks to some other people, found a way to not really get in trouble with that. But, um, yeah, there was just a time to where um, the law enforcement were after. I, I, I don't know all of the specifics, but I think he did have to take some time away due uh, to that. But, I mean, he ended up, when he died uh, about a year or so ago, um, he was back in court, um, but they but they said that he, um, thanks to dementia and all that, couldn't stand trial because he wasn't uh, legally able to do so. But... Sad way to end, I guess. Yeah, because I mean, you, uh, also re- remember when those big toys came out, the big WWF toys? It was, I think, Snooka, Junkyard Dog, Piper, Macho Man, and I think Hogan were the five you can get your hands on, right? Uh, the the big dolls. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, they made more later. I know there was a Warrior one, but um, I think the ones that they made the most of, of course, are going to be the Hogans, obviously. But. I mean, yeah, definitely. That I mean, you got. I'll give you know. We we can definitely talk about. That's a whole segment on Hogan himself. But yeah, I mean that he was the he was the icon of that of, of that uh, WWF man. There's think of Hogan. Think of that era, especially for us when we watched that. That was the dominant time when Hulk Hogan. I mean, everyone everyone watched WWF because of Hogan. Yeah, um, it's. Yeah, I mean, he's he was great at that time, and he was great at, you know, getting eyes on the product. That's the most important thing. I mean, in terms of his professional behavior, eh, he didn't... <laughs> he, he worried more about himself than the overall product near, near the end of his career, which, at the end of the day, I'm not really going to give him too much crap for, because... You know, he's a businessman. His goal is to make as much money as possible. And if companies want to give him, you know, everything in the kitchen sink, it's on the companies and not on Hogan. But I, I do wish, in hindsight, that Hogan was a little more giving in the ring. Because the moments that Hogan lost, when he lost against the Warrior, he lost against The Rock, he lost against Goldberg, those 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 matches will will never leave your head because those were great matches when he when he was selfless in the ring now when he did not want to lose to somebody oh they're horrible to watch i mean if you go back and watch some of the late era wcw um look at uh, the feud between him and billy kidman that was just a dumpster fire uh, of a feud just should not have happened but anyway now we'll go to you, Stroke. Oh, favorite dude. moment in wrestling history. I would say my favorite moment in wrestling history was the feud between uh, Triple H and D-Generation X and The Rock. It, it introduced this kind of, like, more edgy time during wrestling. You had X-Pac with the suck it! And you had uh, this entire team. um, I'm trying to think of... um, There was Shawn Michaels, X-Pac. You had Stephanie McMahon with the whole crazy marriage thing. Uh, I think China was a part of it. Rick Rude. Uh, You had a lot of fun there. And then you had The Rock teaming up with whoever wanted to really kind of get some uh, spotlight time at that time. 
and he had <clears throat> multiple times where he'd have a match and wouldn't even pert- like pertain to anybody in Degeneration X, and then they would just come out of nowhere, wallop the heck out of him, and then he would come back and still win the match with the people's elbow. <laughs> you, you, you had that great star power with The Rock. You had, you know, the, if you smell, and he would just go off. And you had the people's elbow, and uh, what, what was one of his other moves? It was the, uh, the rock bottom. The rock bottom, there you go. Um, and then one of my favorite moves in general is the pedigree from Triple H. <laughs> it looks like it would be painful, just, just saying. I, I heard with the pedigree, um, Triple H has a bit of a reputation of being a bit of an asshole. Yeah. And uh, apparently word is that if Triple H does not like working with an opponent and he performs the pedigree on him, he will keep the guy's arms pinned behind his back yeah. when he's doing the pedigree. If he likes the guy, he will let go of the arms as they're going down. Yeah. So, interesting thing to watch. <laughs> wow. Yeah, and and you know he had transitioned from Hunter Hearst Helmsley to Triple H. The game, you know? oh. the game, and it was just a really good era. I was watching it on UPN yeah. late at night, and like <laughs> it was great. It was absolutely great. It yeah. it definitely that was the era that brought me back into wrestling. Um, I mean, I was thinking about this earlier today. Like after. May of 96, the worst timing in the world. It was an episode of Raw where Ahmed Johnson was knocked out in the ring, and then they brought him backstage on a stretcher, and then Goldust comes and goes, I need to save his life. And then, you know, does like a Gene Simmons tongue flick and then performs CPR on Ahmed Johnson. Ahmed wakes up and then just destroys everybody. Which, funny to think about now, but at the time I was like, I'm done. I turned it off. And then the next month, of course... The debut of the NWO. Yeah. I missed out on a lot, but... Um, in See, that's, that's when I got going. Yeah. It's like NWO just came out, Degeneration X, and you took a lot of uh, more obscure characters, and then you put them together on teams like that, mm-hmm. and it, it just brought them to the forefront, because they were backing someone really popular. For me, though, it's one of my favorite moments has to be, um, you know, what I was just getting to here in 99. Um, you know, I hadn't seen wrestling in a few years. I was turning the channel. It got to the USA Network and immediately glass breaking, stone cold coming out in the beer truck. Yeah. Oh, my <laughs> God. This was, I believe, the week before WrestleMania 15 and just him on top of that beer truck, you know. I'm, you know, Stone Cold's going to roll into Philadelphia, check right into the SmackDown Hotel, move right into room 316, and burn that son of a bitch to the ground. And, but, but look at the passion that he had when, when he talked about that. Um, You could tell, he, he believed every word he said. And I think that's that's some of why I'm not as big of a fan of today's WWE product yeah. as I am because it's so overly scripted today that the the words coming from a lot of these people's mouths don't feel genuine, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and it's unfortunate because you have someone like The Miz um, who's gotten really, really damn good. Um, there was an episode of a WWE Network exclusive exclusive show, Talking Smack. Um, yeah. I don't I don't know if you saw it. No, did you see that? No, you're not. Oh, it, you got to check it out. Um, but okay. it was it was this this little argument between the Miz and Daniel Bryan, and the Miz was you know calling Daniel Bryan a weakling b- because he he wasn't wrestling anymore, and then he 
did the one of the best damn promos in the past decade about the importance of the Intercontinental Championship to him. And that that is that promo. If you are an up and coming wrestler, that's a promo that you watch over and over again and memorize and try to make something like that your own. But well, talking talking smack, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that was the fun thing about uh, Stone Cold, The Rock, Triple H. They had, I feel like, an era where they could be a little more candid with their smack talk because. Especially Stone Cold, like he was like, "Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna chug this beer and I'm gonna punch you in the face," and and he would do that. Like I rem- I can't remember who it was, but he literally decked a chick in the face and on the show, not in real life. <laughs> I, I I I think the only person he ever punched was China, which China was presented as someone that that could take it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but having said that, he stunned Stephanie. He stunned. Lord I was going to say you got a I mean, nice round of Stone Cold stunners yeah. to uh, a lot of people. <laughs> but it's it, that era though was probably the last time where they allowed performers to be a lot more involved in the uh, promo making process uh, than they are now. I mean, now unless you're someone of the caliber of a Chris Jericho. They're going to give you a script and you have to read it. Yeah. And that does take back from, um, I, I think, the spontaneity of this show. It just feels way too forced. And with that, another episode of Friends Talking Nerdy is in the books. Thank you all for listening. This is Tim Jowsma. Next week, we will continue on with this discussion of uh, wrestling with uh, Sterling and Noel. Uh, we figured since uh, WrestleMania is truly right around the corner now, um, n- now would be the perfect time to talk about this, engage audience interest. As always, feel free to uh, follow us on Facebook at FT Nerdy. Uh, you can also find us on, f- uh, that's Twitter, sorry, Twitter. Twitter, FT Nerdy. On Facebook, you can search Friends Talking Nerdy and you can find us there. As always, subscribe to the podcast via iTunes or the Google Play Music Store. Uh, we're also slowly updating uh, the classic episodes, uh, as we call them, uh, to YouTube. And we'll be putting the new episodes up uh, each and every week on the YouTube as well. Um, you can also find our uh, content weekly on LRM Online. We strongly encourage you to uh, check out that website for all your movie, TV shows. Uh, comic book reviews and all that stuff they're a great website Um, next week again we're going to have part two of our discussion on wrestling but one thing we wanted to talk about here uh, coming soon from Friends Talking Nerdy we're going to be presenting the Friends Talking Nerdy Greatest Movie Ever Championship Tournament what the hell is that you're asking uh, myself, Sterling, Nora, and uh, Mora and Noel uh, got our 16 favorite movies together. And similar to March Madness, we bracketed them uh, like a tournament. And like a tournament, we're going to be uh, arguing all of our choices out until we have one movie that we can proclaim is the greatest movie ever. Now, obviously, with uh, mo- with uh, any sort of list like this, any sort of top ten list, anything like that, it's purely subjective. We're giving our opinions on what we think the greatest uh, movie, our, our, the greatest movie is ever going to be. Um, so if you go to the website I'm going to tell you about in a minute, you very well likely may not see some of your favorite movies. Um, 
don't care because uh, this con this uh, these episodes are going to be more about bragging rights than about the movies themselves. Um, so I definitely hope you all give it a chance. Um, go to the website uh, challenge.com. That's C H A L L O N G E dot com slash C seven K two H T A K. Um, we will have that website up on Twitter as well, but uh, the reason we're mentioning that is this. On this website, you can not only see what the tournament brackets are going to be, you have a chance to predict as well. And We got a little uh, prize, uh, prize uh, for the person who predicts the most. Uh, if you happen to uh, make the most, predict most successful predictions on this tournament, once the tournament's over... Your prize is that you're going to get to be on the show and you um, will get to choose the topic of your choice that uh, we that we will commence to talk about. So uh, if your goal in life has always been uh, to be on a podcast, head to that website and uh, fill out your brackets now. Again, um, head to F at Twitter. Go to FT Nerdy um, and I will have uh, the, the link to the uh, tournament brackets that you can edit uh, and put your predictions in uh, pinned to the top. Um, also remember support us on pa Patreon. Um, Ruth Firetag is our uh, uh, our uh, inaugural patron. Uh, we would definitely like more. Um, we want to make the show as best as we can. So uh, again, head to Patreon. And as always, we would love to thank Christopher Lazaric for his wonderful theme song. Head to ChristopherLazaric.com for information on how to buy his EP, Here's to You, which is available on all digital platforms. With that, we will see you next week. Brother Nero! My fleet of aerial assault robots, you are now speaking to Vanguard One. Tonight, I command you to meet me at the property line. Tonight is our final battle. And we determine who owns the rights to the Hardy name, who controls the Hardy brand, who is the sole proprietor of the Hardy Empire. Everything ends tonight. The last death in Cameron. The final Delicia!